Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are live at the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I am Kevin. He is Scott. We are back, and uh, it's it's been a little while. We were just saying the the Rutgers game feels like it was weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Uh, it was just a couple days ago. But uh, Scott, we'll get to why we're late and what the deal is uh, in a second here. But just in general, it's Wednesday here. How we doing? Doing good. I. Uh, I've been sick for like two weeks and I'm every day is a little better and I still have a residual cough. I know I coughed a couple times on our last recording, felt bad about it. I apologize. It will probably sneak up on me again, but other than that, MSU just came off MSU basketball just came off a huge win last night against Kentucky. Um, that team is already surprising me. You know, I didn't really know what to expect, but I didn't expect that. So, uh, yeah, vibes are high. You know what's good? I'm just going to completely bypass the Michigan State basketball thing and go back to the more important point. Um, you know what? It, it's it, This time of the year, I think a lot of people can relate to this. There is There are a few better feelings in the world than when you've been kind of sick for a while and just that lingering, like, it's late fall and we're all just, kind of sick and you have that first day of just full clear breath through the nose full just normal you, that you don't have that pressure in your head built up it just you feel like loose and normal and you wake up and your throat isn't sore at all and it's just like oh my god I'm a full person again that that is a fantastic feeling yeah there's for whatever reason when I'm sick and like I have a sore throat and stuff. I don't like coffee. Like it, it tastes worse. It tastes like metallic and nasty. And when I go, when I get back to enjoying my coffee in the morning, I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank God. Because if you start your day with like a bad cup of coffee, like it, how is it going to get better? How could it possibly yeah. be a good day if you start with a bad cup of coffee? So starting with a good cup of coffee is a good sign of uh, the day to come. Yeah. So basically. To to just kind of set it out there, Scott and I have been we've been talking about this for a while, like kind of under the radar, and then we just kind of settled on it this week. So basically, 
look, if, if you know, you know, we're, we're both in sales. It's the end of the year. Like it's busy, man. We, we got lives to live. This is, um, you know, of course not on the highest of our, on our prior priority list. I forgot how to talk there for a second. Um, DraftKings pays us. They don't pay us that much that we can rearrange our whole lives for the podcast. Unfortunately, not yet at least, but, um, now basically what we're going to do moving forward for the foreseeable future is once a week podcasts. So I think we bit off a little more than we can chew with the three days a week and we are six time zones apart and you know, it's just difficult. Um, it's a lot easier to justify scheduling out one podcast a week rather than three. You know, it's just, it is what it is. If, uh, if we were living in a perfect world, we'd be able to do this every day. We'd have press passes to the game. Um, if this was my full-time job, I'd be a happy camper, but it's not. Um, so we're going to keep it rolling. You know, nothing's changing other than the schedule. So we're going to hit once a week. It'll probably be a longer episode. So I'll try to my um, I don't want to make it a promise, but I'm going to actively try. I promise to actively try to do like timestamps because basically how we're going to set it up through the rest of the season is we'll do the, the recap, the preview and our picks all in one episode. And I'll try to give some timestamps in there to give you an idea uh, of when to cut it off or, or when to start it up. If you're just interested in the preview, um, we'll figure all of that out, but, uh, logistically, yeah, that's it once a week and, uh, it'll probably be a little longer and we'll just kind of see where that takes us and go from there. Um, Scott, anything to add? It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. We're going to pack it all in. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, life is busy for for us only getting busier full of good things you know we don't have any like there's no like medical problems there's no like catastrophes in our lives that are holding us back it's just all good things that happen in your late 20s and uh yeah we just want to make everything fit we don't want to we don't want this thing to burn us out so we can't do it anymore at all we love our fans uh we love the fact that our fans uh love us enough to reach out to us and ask about the podcast and talk about how they love tuning in and listening every week and uh you know shooting the breeze with us as one of them put it uh yeah we we love that uh, you've come to rely on us in a sense uh we just started this thing because kevin and i and a couple friends were talking about msu nonstop as it was and we said hey let's let's get some microphones and let's chat about this for the people and uh it's grown into something that neither of us expected it to be but we got to make it fit with everything else so uh hopefully you understand hopefully you'll still find it worth listening to and uh yeah like kevin said we're not going anywhere and hopefully DraftKings eventually pays us enough money that we can just uh build the studio out somewhere in east lansing and the middle of the have our own so we can both commute to it <laughs> have our own bunker and and we'll do this full time but uh until that day we we got to make arrangements but uh yeah so you know we'll we'll move on from that but that was just a note that we have got a couple messages it's been surprising every time but we have gotten a few messages like hey still waiting on that monday pod like what's going on guys everything all right uh we everything's all right you know we're just busy um so yeah 
the Rutgers game. Um, we won't honestly probably spend too, too much time on it because it feels like it was a long time ago and, you know, we're going to preview the Indiana game, but I mean, to me, the takeaway is, and I was just kind of refreshing myself today with the highlights and everything of it is it was just kind of a not super interesting game. The The biggest takeaway for me, so I'll, I'll give you my two biggest takeaways, my biggest positive takeaway and my biggest negative takeaway from the game, and then we'll kind of branch it out from there. Negative, you know, we start with the bad news first. Negative, the run defense was so bad, dude. I, I was saying that Kyle Manungai looked like college Reggie Bush mixed with college Adrian Peterson uh, against this defense. He was dropping dudes on their backs. He was making people miss. He was outrunning people in the open field. He looked like the best running back in the country. And I know given his stats that he is not the best running back in the country. So uh, there was something we were doing on the defensive side that wasn't working, mostly just tackling. But uh, it was one of those examples of the lack of depth on the defensive line. It worked for a week against Illinois. We kind of patched it together, figured it out. Uh, And then, you know, the second week without all of that depth on the defensive line, it came to bite us in the ass this time. So that was just a pretty glaring thing coming out of the game. He's got big holes to work with because the defensive line isn't filling gaps and then he's just breaking tackles, which is, you know, a whole team problem. But that was rough. Yeah, the defensive line, especially in the second half, just looked worked. Um, and as that game progressed, we had some guys get dinged up um, on that line, too, that just made us even thinner. And, yeah, by, as that game wore on, hands on hips, dudes breathing heavy, mouth wide open. You you could just tell by the body language and everything else that we just don't have the depth right now to give those reps. And and a lot of the guys obviously aren't playing their natural positions. So it starts there. But the back end tackling outside of Cal Halliday's uh, 200 or whatever he had (laughs) was was shoddy at best. Um and frustrating and uh honestly when you look at the rushing stats it's surprising that we did as well as we did um you know we took a a, a lead late in the first half and extended that to two possessions early in the second half and didn't relinquish it the rest of the way but um it gives you <laughs> reason to pause you know, there's there's a part of me that wants to think we turned a corner and we're going to be a competitive team against good teams now. Granted, depending on bowl eligibility, we may only have one game against a good team left, but um, there is <laughs> it is still the team that started the season and they certainly have improved since then, but it's still uh, a team with plenty of holes and, and things that can be exploited. Now, thankfully, we were playing Rutgers and... Uh, yeah, we did some things well, but man, it was, it was, it was scary at times. I just realized that as you were talking, so Cal Halliday, obviously the 20 tackle game coming off of being the big 10 defensive player, the, the week against Illinois with his insanely good performance. 
so through two years, uh, he's still got two weeks left, I guess, for this season, but through 23 career games, Scott, almost two full seasons, what would you guess Cal Halliday is, uh, stands right now as far as tackles, just total tackles? 23 games. I got to think he's averaging double digits. Uh, so I'll put him at 250. Not quite. Uh, I always do this. My uh, my wife always gets on me because whenever she asks me to guess a number, if it's like a big number, I always go over and she's like, <laughs> it's just then it not, seems it's way less anymore. impressive. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, no, but. Uh, it's like, well, uh, yeah, Cal Halliday only has 195 tackles through not even his first two seasons as a college football player. Now but you know, the point of that, that kind of question, the point of this was the, the fact that I just realized, I, you know, let me take a take a quick peek back. I knew that Dan Bass is the all time leader at Michigan State for tackles. He has 541 career tackles so let's assume cal halliday racks up another 20 this year let's even be kind of conservative if we think we're going to get to a bowl game he'll probably end up with closer to let's say 25 but that puts him right around 150 through two seasons uh or i'm sorry 200 um where am i looking at 220 through two seasons Puts him at a pretty good pace here. If you can pick it up as a junior and senior, you know, you you become a better player. You you read offenses a little bit better and quicker and get to that ball, you know, a half a step faster and turn a an assisted sack into a solo sack. You know, those those kind of start adding up for you throughout the year. Um he could be right up there with the Greg Jones, Percy Snow, Dan Bass. What is um, ba- tackle what does Dan leaders. Bass have? What's the number? 541 and he's like way clear percy snow is at 473 like he is way ahead at number one nowadays at 195 so he needs 346 left theoretically if we make just a bowl the next three years and no like playoffs or anything um he he would have 29 games left if we make a bowl this year so he would have to average 12 tackles over 29 games which is a lot Lofty, which is a lot, but But here's the thing. I mean, you start thinking about today's game and teams are running more plays, right? And back in Dan Bass's days in the, in the seventies, teams were probably running like 60 plays a game and he got (laughs) 20 tackles, which is unbelievable. (laughs) There were 60 plays and 50 of them were inside runs. Just as a as a ratio thing of like, yeah, the the other team ran sixty plays, and this one guy got a tackle on a third of them, you know. <laughs> but I mean, teams are running a hundred plays a game now. There are like multiple teams around the country running a hundred plays a game, so the opportunity is there more often. Um, yeah, I don't know that that just kind of popped up where not many guys have an opportunity as a true or as a as a redshirt freshman, but as a freshman eligibility wise, to rack up ninety six tackles. You know, so he's started himself off on a pretty good note. Uh, we'll see. That's something to track over the next couple of years. But anyways, back to the game. Um, positively, 
Um, I, I think it really came down to more on the offensive side of the ball. And it was mostly in that you look at the, um, the end of the f- end of the second quarter, start of the third quarter, that middle eight that coaches always talk about. It's really important to go into the half playing well and come out of the half playing well. And going into the half, Michigan State puts together a 10 play 73 yard touchdown drive. Coming out of the half, you put together a five play 86 yard touchdown drive. Um, and even the drives right before and after were productive. You got, you know, more than 25 yards. It wasn't a three and out. And um, yeah, it, it was a, a, a pretty impressive performance. I mean, the whole first half really for the offense, they were moving the ball down the field. They didn't score every opportunity we got, but at least really throughout the whole game, a, a salty Rutgers defense. Michigan State was kind of carving them up and and getting whatever we wanted yards wise. Ended up with four hundred fifty. Um, that was encouraging. I remember. <laughs> it feels like I'm recalling an old memory now. It's been four days, but uh, the first two drives as well, we shot ourselves in the foot. You know, this wasn't Rutgers shut us down. This was us making mistakes. Yep. Highlighted by the and this will be a segment a little bit later, but. Uh, I feel like we're more negative when we lose or when we win. I don't I, know, I know. but the <laughs> that's how you know we're and, real fans is basically fourth <laughs> and one on the second drive that ended the drive needs to be discussed because one Peyton Thorne had three options to convert that he could have used his legs. He could have dumped it off to Malik Carr or he could have made a good pass to Tyler Hunt. He chose the, the long throw to Tyler Hunt throwing, you know, right handed rolling out to the left that comes down to play call. To me, you're asking a lot from a quarterback to deliver an accurate throw. Are you though? He should have made it. I I know he's. He, he, I he, I saw that argument before too, and I just when you're at this level, that's that's not an issue of like the offensive coordinator shouldn't have like if you can't roll out to the left and throw a six yard drag route to the tight end, like you're not a power five starting quarterback. So. Yes, he should have made it, but it's not putting the player in the best position to succeed. It is still, I mean, it's still one of the hardest, not the depth of the throw, but one of the hardest body positions to make an accurate throw. Like if you ask a quarterback, what is the hardest throw? What is the hardest stance to throw from? You're rolling out to your opposite side and opening up your body. Yeah. And especially, you know, those, those short throws, sometimes they seem super easy, but again, in that context where you're running, you're coming across the body and you have to put it right on the numbers. It can be, it's almost easier rolling left to just launch one, you know, right. cause then you can kind of really fully cork your body out there and, and, and really let it go. Um, you know, the easier ones might not be as easy, but again, I just, I, I don't think the play calling thing is something to really think about because that's a play I'm sure that Peyton Thorne hits 99 times out of 100 in practice. It's just, it's an easy throw that he just missed by a mile. That was so bad. I feel like he could have easily, he could have walked to a first down. Yeah. If Malik Carr was standing there still, Malik Carr was a stationary target about five yards away instead of Tyler Hunt that was as the crow flies about 20 yards away. Um, nonetheless, that was frustrating, but Rutgers, I mean, in that drive, speaking of Rutgers, not stopping the offense, the plays were first and 10, first and 10, first and 10, second and seven, first and 10, first and 10, first and 10, 
second and 10, third and three, fourth and one. So until that sequence of four plays, I mean, we were walking down the field on Rutgers, which is really encouraging for what we saw from this offense earlier in the year. And a little bit of what we've seen from uh, from Rutgers throughout this year. Um, yeah, I mean, that first half was really pretty dominant by, by Michigan State. You look at Rutgers' first few drives, three straight punts before they scored their touchdown. Um, and then they had that bizarre sequence at the end of the first half where they like drained the clock. And then with 20 seconds left, they're like, all right, pedal to the metal. We're going to go for it now. And then I don't that know. was one of those where Greg Schiano always gets, I feel like, way too much credit for doing very little things right. You know, like he'll he'll be one of those games where like they lose by twenty eight, but it was a game for two and a half quarters, and people will praise Greg Schiano for the whole week about how he took this scrappy Rutgers team, and you know he he game managed his way to being in it late. And I just don't get it with Greg Schiano. I've never really gotten the hype. It's just that was one of the most, like you said, the most bizarre things I have ever seen. Let's just melt the clock. Let's not even bother going to score against a Michigan State defense that it's like, hey, if you're going to give your guys a shot against anybody, it's probably going to be us. Let's be real here. Especially if you're in hurry up and we're in prevent. I mean, we'll just open the floodgates. We're like, take what you want. Just don't cross the goal line. Like, that is perfect. Let me get my young quarterback some confidence. Let's put a drive together where he could just make these quick little hitches and slants. And they had like three minutes. It was like (laughs) unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that. And he's just, ah, you know, let's milk the clock. Let's run it. And then it was like, oh, shoot. Wait, we we got all the way to here? Um, Okay, yeah, let's go for it. Time out. (laughs) Just guy clearly had no idea what he was doing. bizarre. Yeah, I mean, he speaking of getting praised for like bad performances like everyone you know coming out of that Michigan game Michigan Rutgers a couple weeks ago 52 to 17 and people are like wow Rutgers really put up a fight I'm like I don't care if you went into the fourth quarter up by 14 if you lose by 35 you did not put up a fight uh yeah and and the one Rutgers touchdown was a blocked punt you know, it it's not like, you know, hey, they had that one drive early where they marched their way down the field. It was just uh no, I, I never understand the Greg Shiano hype. That just something about him also just grinds my gears. I mean oh, it's his face. It's very punchable. Yeah. Um maybe it's I don't know. Maybe it's Rutgers attitude towards the Big Ten, like having never done anything and every other year they're like we're back. I'm like, back to what? <laughs> we like, can make a bowl game. Princeton Look out. In, your, in 1886 or whatever it was. Uh, right. Anyway. Um, yeah. So give me on my high horse laughing about teams struggling to make bowl games. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're five and five. We're a 500 team. Um, yeah. Speaking of, of uh, running the ball, I know Rutgers had some success, but how about uh, – Broussard finally having himself yeah. like, a, like a legitimately good game uh, and being probably our most productive. I mean, Berger and Broussard, the killer bees, they finally maybe looked yeah, up to back. their nickname. 85, 16, 85, and 1 for Berger, 11, and 80 for Broussard. Uh, it felt like we were finding holes. You know, Mel Tucker said early in the season, I'm not sure how true it was back then. I didn't really believe it, but he said, like, there's holes there, you know, and our running backs just have to find them. 
And uh, this game, it finally actually felt like that was true. And they were even making a guy miss here and there. Um, control the ground and you control the game. I know we got outrushed, but uh, almost 200 yards on the ground. If you take out sacks, we would have had over 200 yards. Or I think that was Neal's minus four yards of kneeling. So 200-yard game on the ground. Not sure we've done that yet this year. Uh, and it really set the tone and took the pressure off Peyton Thorne, who, although his stats weren't terrible, I think still I would classify it as him struggling in this game. I, I just a lot of throws that were just head scratchers from Thorne, but be, having an effective ground game really lightened the load on him. I I feel I don't know about you. This is one of the kind of longer term takeaways. You start looking at the end of this year and, of course, the quest for a bowl game, but we're we're to the point of the season now where you start looking ahead and you start thinking, all right, who can we start getting some reps for next year and stuff like that. The Jalen Berger thing, I'm starting to feel really good about. I feel like he's kind of finding his legs and finding his running style and finding his confidence. Uh, NBA Jam rules, he's heating up. He's got back-to-back good games now. You know what's funny is I have the game log pulled up. His last two games almost couldn't be more identical. So against Illinois, 15 attempts, 81 yards. That's a 5.4-yard average. The longest run he had was 24 yards. Against Rutgers, 16 carries, so one more carry. 85 yards, four more yards. 5.3 yard average, one touchdown, longest run was 22 yards, two yards shorter than the last game. So it's basically like identical stat lines uh, with, with the last two games. And he has just looked like he finally, again, you go back to the, the Mel Tucker comment where, Hey, maybe those holes were always there. And Jalen Berger just wasn't really, he was struggling to fit in and find his rhythm and everything. And, now he's just gotten a bit more of a rhythm with the offensive line and where these holes are going to be on these certain plays and you know knowing who who he can trust to run behind and and where the double teams are and who's getting up to the second leg maybe it's just kind of a a matter of hey he he didn't really have the whole off season to um cuz he got here in the summer right he wasn't here in the spring um or no he was here in the spring Broussard was here in the fall correct yeah. Right. Okay. But yeah, hey, maybe sometimes it just takes time. And uh, maybe now Jalen Berger is going to be our feature back for the next two seasons, right? Um, and and based on his play the last couple of weeks, I feel pretty good about it. So speaking of, let's just shift to the passing game. There's a couple of conversations. Let's call out a couple of receivers because there was a couple of flashes. So Jaden Reed certainly seems to be getting back to form with Peyton Thorne. A touchdown, another great grab down the sideline. Only four grabs, but 90 yards and a touchdown. And and really, when it comes to the passing game, flashed more than anyone. But Daniel Barker finally yeah. coming into his own. Four catches, 64 yards and a touchdown. His first touchdown since week one against um, Western Michigan. His first game with more than two catches since Washington when he had seven. And uh, his second highest yardage total of the year. Um and it had a knack for big catches in this one. You know, it felt like every time we needed something, the ball found its way to, to Daniel Barker and, uh, yeah, made a big impact here. But speaking of, because you opened this can of worms, so if anyone doesn't want to hear this conversation, blame Kevin. Speaking of the offseason and who's going to be around, 
we've been dabbling with this conversation outside of the podcast for a couple weeks. Quarterback. Um, this season, and there may be a caveat here because, <laughs> excuse me, it sounds like Peyton Thorne has been a little banged up this year. Right. And he hasn't had as much support around him. We know that. But it feels like we kind of know what Peyton Thorne is, and it's kind of pretty dependent on what's around him. And this year, I mean, outside of Cupcake games, it doesn't really feel like he's had a great game. He's had a few good games, a couple good games, but he he doesn't really feel like he's – I don't feel like he's had a great game uh, this season. No, and, and even the really good games, it felt like came with some – caveats you know it it was it was never man like wire to wire he just you know he was he was dialed in he was in rhythm it was always he had a really good game but there were that couple series where you know we just couldn't get a first hour he had a good game but man the second quarter we just you know we we didn't have the ball at all it, there was always a, a caveat to the good games it felt like yeah his his three best games of the year Western four touchdowns, but only you know threw it fifty percent. And I remember being frustrated by the yeah. He had a bunch of those overthrows. Yeah, Washington he had three touchdowns and seventy one percent, but it, most of it came when they had already taken a big lead and were kind of just playing not to let us get big plays to get back in it. Wisconsin he had two touchdowns and threw seventy five percent, but a lot of that came in overtime. Um, it just. And not to take much away from him, he's a great leader, he's a great competitor, and he has earned us some wins in th- this year. Uh, but when you look at playing your best players, I'd, I'll, I'll only say this, because I don't, I don't think we for sure have a better option, but we do have... Um, blanking on his name, come on, freshman right now. Noah Kim. No, Kate Hauser. Kaden Hauser in the wings. Who knows how he'll progress in his first full off season? There's rumors of a potential flip by some by a big talent. I'll leave it at that. We're not going to dive into that <laughs> unless unless or until it happens. That's um, now two podcasts where Dante Moore has come into the conversation. We are all in. <laughs> Dante Moore. What are the odds he starts uh, for Michigan State Week One? We're not going to get into that. That's off season. Oh chatter. man, if he's here, he's starting. Uh, but nonetheless, like there, there may be other options, and I, I'll, I'll just say this: I don't think you can go into this off season saying Peyton Thorne's our guy. He might be, but I don't think you like last off season. It was like this is Peyton's team. I don't think that's it for this off season. No, I, I agree. I. I think in a vacuum, all right? Like, so to be fair to the, you know, for people who are are fully all in, all aboard the Peyton Thorne train and, you know, he's our guy, he's our leader, I, I get it. And I don't think there are very many people of those because I think everybody loves the backup quarterback. You know how it is. Damian Terry was one of the, the fan favorites for years. It was, it's just uh, people love the backup quarterback and I get it. Uh, but I think if you told anybody, Hey, here in a vacuum, your team is five and five. You've really underperformed for most of this season. And the quarterback of that team, it's his second year starting, uh, at this point of the year, he's throwing for 2,100 yards, 16 touchdowns to nine interceptions, 
63% passer. Um, and he has two like real legitimate NFL wide receivers. The offensive line isn't good. I know, but when we're being real here, there aren't very many like legitimately good offensive lines in college football. All right. Like there are probably 10 to 15 teams any given year who win games based on the strength of their offensive line. And it's kind of the same teams every year. It's Michigan, it's Oklahoma, it's uh, Ohio State, Alabama. There aren't many teams who have a great offensive line. There's a lot of offensive lines that you would probably say are C plus, B minus, right? That's probably accounts for like 50% of college football. Um, and maybe we're closer to the C minus or C plus than the B minus. Maybe we're closer to a C than a C plus. But when you're trotting out two NFL wide receivers and you you're at this point of the season with that stat line, again, obviously context is more important, but just in a vacuum, I'm saying for any college football program, you would expect better. And you would think like, yeah, if that's if that's what we're getting out of that. Yeah, sure. Next year, whoever is the backup is definitely going to get a chance in that offseason. I mean, I I definitely don't think that we're going into the offseason this year and saying Peyton Thorne is the guy. He's taken all the reps through spring. He's taken, you know, it's just I think there's even within that building, there's going to be some some form of a competition. There has to be. Yeah, I th- I think there does have to be. Um and obviously that'll depend on what they they're seeing from the other quarterbacks behind the scenes, which is something that no outsiders, not even reporters are going to be able to right. see, let alone podcasters like us. Um so we'll plant that seed, we'll put a pin in it, we'll return to it. Obviously we've got a couple games to watch here, see how he performs. Um see how other things evolve, if you know what I mean. Uh I'm being like so not sly about just talking about Dante Moore. I just, for whatever reason, don't want to say the name because I don't want to speak it into existence and then be upset when it never happens. But um, we won a game. Okay, let's let's bring it back now. We always like to start with the negatives, but we are now five and five. And I, I mentioned after the Illinois game that it felt like the team turned a page, right? All of a sudden, this huge uphill battle to getting just to get a bowl game, which feels like in, in the world of MSU football is the bare minimum for any kind of a mediocre to successful season, you got to at least make a bowl game, right? It felt like an outside looking in situation after Michigan pull out the win against Illinois. We asked for a comfortable win. I know this was a six point game, but as far as one possession games go, it was pretty comfortable. Like I didn't, I never, I was frustrated at times, but I never felt like we weren't going to win. I, there no, were times where definitely. I was like, uh, what, what's this going to feel like in the second half? You know, the first half we had those two drives that felt good and we didn't get anything out of them. And it was like, why is this game 7-7? Seven, seven? But then after that first touchdown in the third quarter, it's like, okay, we're in the driver's seat. Rutgers doesn't have the firepower to really put the pedal down and drive themselves back into this game. So by and large, as far as this season's gone, comfortable win, sitting at 5-5, five and five, we're going to turn the page to Indiana in a second, but man, like two weeks ago, if you told me we'd feel like this, I would have been amazed. I'd be like, no way. Like, there's no way we're going to be in the driver's seat for ball eligibility. And we talked about what kind of a coaching job it is by Mel Tucker last week. It continued this week. Um, 
this team is full of holes. I mean, let's call a spade a spade, but we're as, as far as keeping program momentum and keeping the program in a good light to keep recruiting going for whatever all that's worth. The season's starting to look like it's it's one that we can look back on and be like, you know, it wasn't our wasn't our worst, it wasn't our best, but but a great scrappy team that uh, got milked something out of the season when uh, when it wasn't looking too good, and that feels feels good. Yeah, we just landed another four star recruit that kind of came out of nowhere. Like we're able to just keep the momentum stable, right? It's not going up, it's not going down, it's just stable, and I think that was the most important thing of the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, you mentioned it was a comfortable win. I, along with, I think a lot of people had Michigan state minus nine and a half fourth and 29 or whatever that was that Rutgers just launches one into the end zone for the, the backdoor cover of all backdoor covers. That was so frustrating. But to your point, I, as somebody who bet minus nine and a half early, uh, before the game, it was like midway through the game, and they were still floating out Michigan State minus seven and a half. I doubled down. I threw a little live action in there. I said, "We're dominating this game." There's, there's just, there's going to be a point where, you know, we we get a couple more stops instead of these long Rutgers chunk runs, and uh, and we're going to punch a couple more into the end zone, and we're going to run away with this thing. I, I just felt really good about it. Unfortunately, Rutgers bust down the the back door, and hey. You're, it's called gambling. It happens sometimes, but it, it does make the game a little more fun when you know you're not just playing for the Michigan State win. You need another score. You need another field goal so we can cover. It just kind of adds that little element of um, exciting play. And, and with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, uh, right now new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. And in addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings. With DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays, you can look at, uh, man, you can do Maction, you can do Thursday Night Football, you can do everything. Uh, make things even sweeter. You can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member, to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, so we'll, we're turning the page here. We're going to talk about Indiana and... To do that, my first thought is, well, Indiana sucks. And then I'm like, all right, no, let's let's go, let's go prove it. All right. If you're gonna say Indiana sucks, you gotta prove it. And just off of, you know, first gut reaction, you've seen little bits of Indiana throughout the year. You've kind of been checking in on them as a Big Ten team. You know they're on the schedule later in the year. Scott, when I say the Indiana Hoosiers, you think of Good offense or good defense first? Uh, 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 neither, really. Right. I mean, but if I, if you have to pick one. I, I, I guess defense because they're kind of scrappy, and I feel like scrappiness like alludes to defense. But, like, I don't know. Not, not feeling strong about it. Doesn't matter. They suck at both. Uh, so offensively, because I think more of the offense, and maybe that's just a carryover of Michael Penix, 
but they are third to last in the country in offense yards per play, four yards per play, lower than Iowa, lower than Rutgers, lower than Colorado, like lower than these just horrible, horrible football teams. Indiana yards per play on offense is damn near the worst in the country, which I didn't really fully expect. I knew that it wasn't good, but I I thought it would be a little bit better than that, I guess. Uh, Defensively, in terms of yards per play, uh, I lost them here, but they were right around 100th in the country, 89th. There we go. So it's just not been a good season for Indiana. I, I'm starting to worry about my guy Tommy Allen and his job security. Um, people, are, we talked about it this off season. Remember we did the preview uh, of the Big Ten, and I, I think I had Indiana for like one or two wins. They, they ended up with three. But they had like 28 guys transfer out. And Michigan State's had kind of the same deal. Hey, it happens. Transfer portal era. They only brought in like three. <laughs> it was just there are some things going on in Bloomington that I don't think any of us are are privy to from the outside. But whatever's going on inside, there's just there are problems there. And I don't know what it is, but they are losers of seven straight now, basically ever since they, they won the first three in their uh, non-con. Plus, they beat Illinois somehow week one. Uh, and then they lost the last seven, which includes losses to Rutgers, to Maryland, to Nebraska. Um, you know, they've they've had to play Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, but they're not just losers of seven straight because of a tough schedule. Uh it's 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 not a good football team right now. To make matters worse, they're struggling with finding a stable quarterback. Um Connor Bazelek had started most of the year, missed two weeks ago against Penn State with an injury, came back against Ohio State, and was benched for a guy who went six for 19. Uh, so, yeah, it's Dexter Williams went six for 19, did throw two touchdowns, but uh, obviously not very efficiently. Um, did you – this? I totally forgot about this in, in my preparation, so this is very related – quarterback situation for Indiana. So do you remember, uh, I'm talking to you, I guess, directly, but to the fan in general, do you remember Jack Tuttle? He was relatively highly uh, rated recruit. He was Michael Penix's backup, came in a couple times for some spot duty, played against Michigan State last year. He, when Connor Basilak entered uh he came into indiana from missouri so connor basilek comes in presumably takes the starting job jack tuttle enters the transfer portal and you know we've had guys enter the transfer portal mid-season all the time (laughs) jack tuttle last week because of quarterback injuries they had to play him (laughs) they were like look jack i know you've been in the portal for like two months you don't want to be here at this point, we've moved on. We don't really want you here either. But dude, we don't have anybody else. <laughs> so you have a guy playing quarterback for your team who is currently in the transfer portal. It It's amazing. It's like when you put in your two weeks notice at a job and your boss asks, asks you to do a project that's going to have like a major bearing on the future. And you're and like, to like head up the project too. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> like, and you're like, what do you, why, why? 
Uh, he didn't actually record any stats. I think he was just more of a handoff robot uh, in that game. But yeah, I remember Jack Tuttle. Um, yeah, I mean, there's this Indiana team. They did have 140 yards on the ground against Ohio State by like a litany of different players. They had six different players record a carry, although Basilek, I think, was sacked. Uh, that's the only reason. So five guys, many times. all with between 17 and 46 yards. And well, one was one for 44 yards. Nonetheless, they, they use a stable back there. Um, just shy of six yards or four yards per carry against Ohio State. Um, but obviously we know Ohio State stats are, are hard to trust. Um, as a team, they're averaging on the ground 2.8 yards per carry this year. Um, I'll let you decide if that's good or bad. I think most people would agree it's it's pretty bad. Um, but before the Rutgers game, I said, I don't expect Rutgers to do anything on the ground to us, so uh, <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. And like point. you said, we played Reggie Bush the second. And uh, yeah, so it depends on how we tackle. Um, Kevin, what's the spookiest part of this Indiana offense to you? Well... I, there was so early in the season. So I guess you start looking at how did we get here? One of the biggest problems with Indiana is they actually early in the season had a bit of a passing attack developed, but they lost their number one receiver, Cam Camper. It's an amazing name. Uh, but I mean, he had nearly 600 yards through seven games this year, but I, I think he tore his ACL. I know he's out for the year which, you know, that's a tough loss for them. Uh, you know, you have one thing that's really working for you, and you know it's not a great team, but you know you have this one guy you can count on. Who was, oh, man, who was that dude for Indiana in the COVID year? Uh, he had a, a last name. It started with F. He was an outside, Fry, Fry Fogel, something Fry Fogel. He was a tight end, wasn't he? He was he was a he big was wide receiver. He was like six five, six six. But I, I mean, you you at least have something that you can kind of latch on to, and it's it's always fun when it's a wide receiver, right? But Cam Camper came out of the year really hot, and then uh, unfortunately is out for the year. So with him out, I mean, there just aren't too many weapons on this team. Sean Shivers is kind of a dual threat guy in terms of uh, you know decent running back and can catch it out of the backfield. DJ Matthews is a is a good athlete, but I don't know, man. I I just I've I've kind of caught glimpses of Indiana throughout the year. I, I'll be straight up blunt with you. I haven't watched a full Indiana game, but there just there isn't really anybody on offense who really puts any fear into you other than Cam Camper, who again is out for the year. This feels like a game where. We just have to play mistake-free defense, right? Like, we know what our defense is, and it's not going to look like Georgia. It's not going to be a dominant situation. But if we don't make big mistakes on defense, keep the ball in front of us, don't give up any explosive plays, we will absolutely give our offense a chance to win the game. Um, it's, it's not a game where it's going to get out of hand on the defensive side. That's all I'll say. I'm not going to say nothing's going to give us trouble because depending on the game, the passes, passing games have given us trouble. Rushing games have given us trouble. We don't still don't have like a 
a cornerstone strength of the defense, I would say, especially with the damage to just the depth chart. Um, But I'm confident enough in our defense against this offense that we will, we at least match up. Um, Well, and if, if we assume that the Rutgers um, offense and the Indiana, or did we lose me? Cause you froze. I'm going to keep talking. I don't know if you're talking. Please squeeze out of there that game. You know, so if we're looking at two teams of rel- with relatively equal offenses in, in Indiana and Rutgers, and you're looking at uh, the same defense, the same guys out there, I can't imagine Indiana getting more than what Rutgers got. So if you're thinking like 21 is kind of the ceiling, and that's not a testament to, wow, this is such a good defense. You're not going to score more than 21 against them. But with the way they're playing relatively confident football right now and Indiana being right on par with Rutgers offensively, I can't imagine Indiana scoring more than 21. And, hey, if they do, then we're all of a sudden going to find ourselves in a ball game. But I just can't really see that. Yeah, they've only scored 21 or more twice in conference play uh, more than 21 twice in conference play against in uh, illinois 23 and against maryland with 33 and again illinois was week one they haven't scored more than 21 since in four weeks since the maryland game um they have a yeah they had a bye week in there so i guess it's been five weeks before games um yeah, I I tend to agree. I mean, anything can happen in a football game. We score fast, they get more possessions. Who knows if they break twenty one? But <laughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, I I just I think we match up well enough to slow them down. The weather at this time of year could slow them down further. One reason, actually, that brings me back to a quick point about the Rutgers game. It was cold, and tackling motivated people when it's cold. Anyone who's played a contact sport outside knows this. It sucks. And it it looked a little bit like MSU's defense just didn't want that smoke a little bit on those heavier plays. I mean, they were getting run through a little bit, and it just it looked like those situations against the running back in the hole where you got to come downhill on a guy. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to get your you know your mind behind slamming into somebody full speed in that temperature. So nonetheless, what I'm getting at is cold games usually don't score as much either and it could be chilly again this weekend it looks like you're looking up the weather i hope you are because i don't have it in front of me i'm not i was actually looking up the over under um so i will we'll do our picks you know hey we're doing once a week we got to make our picks in there too and in, in, at the end of the episode but the current line with DraftKings, i got it up michigan state is favored by 10 the over under is 47 and a half so they vegas is not expecting a very high scoring affair here that's something like uh what would that be like 28 18 yeah 29 19 i guess would be more um it's going to be 27 degrees and snowy on saturday oh yeah there's that there's that snowfall coming through this it's weekend. supposed to I snow know, for um, like four straight days from now until western the game, michigan so is supposed to get pounded pretty good colder and colder and then, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it's going to be a quiet Spartan Stadium. I hate to say that, but let's be no, real yeah. with ourselves. <laughs> uh, that's not yeah, and it sucks. So to see a five and five and uh, whatever Indiana is 
three and seven football teams face off in the cold. Well, and, and here is a perfect opportunity for our yearly reminder. Saturday is senior day, which sneak it snuck up on me that this season is almost over, but Saturday is senior day. So, Hey, again, it's the yearly reminder. If you're in the area, if you're thinking about going to the game, if you have season tickets and you're like, eh, I don't know, it's going to be pretty cold. I don't know if I, if you go to the game, if you end up making it to the game, please try to show up early. Um, I, I'm with you. I don't think. That... Oh, we're back. Okay. We had some connection issues. Hopefully it's in a spot that I can easily edit this out. I don't know if and it's on your side or my as side. As you're listening, you won't know what too. happened and you're just going to be really confused. <laughs> I tried to. Can you hear me? Are we on the same page yes, now? Yes, we're good. All right, we're cool. good. Uh, sorry if there's some technical difficulties. We had another hiccup earlier in the show. Uh, you know how it is. Like we said, there's a whole ocean between us. So the fact that this <laughs> is even happening is a miracle, a modern marvel. Um, yeah, so we got 27 degrees. We've got a 10 and a half point line. I don't think we've talked yet about Indiana's defense against our offense. Um, what sticks out to you? I well hey let's let's just kind of lay it out there it's uh it's a tryout for 2023 for a lot of these guys especially along the offensive line where Chris Kapilovich has started rotating a lot of these young guys in there we're seeing Vandemark we're seeing Wigginton um I think a lot of this is we're talking 2023 tryouts who's going to go into the offseason with an edge at certain positions all the way across the offensive line, I think you could make that argument. Um, all of the receivers behind Jaden Reed are fighting for, you know, whatever we presume that he leaves when he presumably leaves after uh, this season. Um, I guess technically he can come back, but I, I just don't think he's going to. Um, quarterback, we already talked about running back. You know, can Berger kind of secure his role as the the guy down the tail end of this season going into next season? Um, I think this is a good opportunity for all of those guys against a mediocre to poor defense to kind of showcase, make some plays, and and make them themselves stand out in the coaches' minds going into uh, going into Thanksgiving ish time of the season. Yeah, I don't. Jaden Reed leaving is a conversation worth having in the offseason. He hasn't had the year he had last year for a few different reasons, but uh, he does still have plenty of tape on the books. But nonetheless, um, yeah, I mean, this is a game, last one in Spartan Stadium against the last easy-ish competition we could get depending on if we make a bowl game and who the opponent is. Great opportunity to put something on tape, not only for scouts, but for your own coaches, like you said. Um, Oh, it's going to be cold. 27 degrees. You remember, I mean, we both played football in Michigan, man. Like, I, I know I already belabored this point, but you remember hitting people in the oh, cold God. like that? Especially if you are not a, it, look, if you're the, we had a couple guys on the team going both ways, you know, if you're one of those type of dudes, then, hey, you're just, it's another day. Your your body is warm. But the, the, the worst part about football is that you, your unit goes onto the field and then comes off and you have to stand there 
in one of these football games, if this is on at what network is this on? Is this on like FS1? If it's a Fox network, these guys are going to be standing there for nine minutes, freezing their asses off until they get back on the field after the four TV timeouts that we've had. Yeah. Hands down the pants, trying to keep them from going numb. Like I'm thinking back to, we didn't have like the nice warming coats or the, the oh, heat no. guns or anything on the sidelines you know it was just like you in the snow and if you're like me you're not playing most downs so like when you get in the game you're psyched but you're also like i am an ice block right now yeah. <laughs> and like you're on kickoff and your coach is like yeah go slam into somebody and you're like uh, coach you go well, slam and, into somebody yeah right and and i'm gonna sound really um i i don't want to say the word for it for complaining about this as a kicker kicking balls in the cold sucks that shit hurts and i know that people who played like real positions in football are gonna laugh at me for saying that i know look i've I've been a kicker my whole life nothing's changed the jokes haven't changed i just will tell you that kicking in the in the cold sucks it hurts it hurts your foot it's not a good time it's pretty much like kicking a light rock regularly um so there's not too much to this. It feels a lot like the Rutgers game. Um, it's at home again. Indiana, if there's a team worse in the Big Ten East than Rutgers, it is this team, uh, especially with how their season has panned out. So are we We didn't do – we have a few things. We didn't do player of the game and game ball for Rutgers. I don't want to lose sight of that, and we got to do our picks. So yep. are we ready to wrap this thing and go through those three? Let's rip it off. All right. So going back to the Rutgers game, uh, I don't remember who went first. Let's start with our game ball. I think I went first. We'll go with it. I don't remember. So you go first. If you have somebody mind, let it rip. I have a play of the game in mind, but I'm still working on my player. So you you go with your uh, game ball. Okay, my my game ball will go to I it's low hanging fruit again, but Cal Halliday had 19 tackles. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And tackles can be an overrated stat. You know, hey, if you tackle the guy eight yards beyond the line of scrimmage, was that really like a great achievement? No, and a lot of the times that's what it ended up being for Halliday with the day that Kyle Manungai had for Rutgers. But mixed in with that, there were a lot of plays right around the line of scrimmage. Um, and and hey, a, a, a tackle for an eight-yard gain is better than somebody else in the secondary tackling him for a 28-yard gain, right? So Kyle Halliday, 19 tackles. We've talked about him already today. Um, you love the way he plays, and... Do you wish that he could be better in pass coverage? Of course. You know, do you wish he could be a little bit better moving, you know, side to side and in kind of tight spaces? Yes, of course I do. But for the role that he plays in the system that we currently have, this guy just eats, man. It's it's fun to watch sometimes. Yeah, that was the low hanging fruit. Honestly, the only one I could think of that pops off the box score. Um I'm gonna go with the unit not the whole unit, but from a unit that we don't give a whole lot of love to on the pod because we're not football experts who grind film all week. And the offensive line is a hard position to isolate success. 
when they're doing well, it doesn't jump. And when they're doing poorly, it does jump. Um, Especially on the TV broadcast. Spencer Brown has quietly started two straight games at left tackle for Michigan State. This game, he allowed zero pressures. Uh, that is outstanding for, for a unit that's going to need to take huge steps again this offseason. And presumably Jarrett Horst, I don't think he has eligibility left. No, um, I was going to say him, Brian Green, J.D. Duplain, Nick Samak. We're going to have some turnover again. So speaking of, um, yeah, tryouts at the end of the season, Spencer Brown looking like the left tackle of the future as it stands right now and had a great game on offense. Uh, so I'm going to go with Spencer Brown. Hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Hopefully he uh, continues to do that. The other side as well, um, Not he, he played right tackle. Left tackle was Brandon Baldwin, who also deserves Baldwin, a yeah. shout-out, and I think was the one I had in mind. But um, all in all, the offensive line had a good game, opened up holes in the running game, generally kept Peyton Thorne off the ground. Um Baldwin has started two straight. Spencer Brown has started every game this season. Um, yeah, so that that's who we're going to roll with. I'll kick off our play of the game. I'm going with, speaking of units that don't get a lot of love, this one's more because they haven't done much this year, but Ben Patton's 48-yard field goal. Hey. It wasn't the difference in the game, but it did change the vibes at the end of the game. We were up by 10 at that point. He pushed it to 13. And I don't think there was a soul in that stadium that thought he was going to make that kick. <laughs> and it was cold. Speaking of cold kicks, it was like 35 degrees in that stadium. And he boomed that thing. Um, I, obviously, consistency is just as important as anything when it comes to kicking. But that was the best game of kicking we've seen this year. Two for two on field goals, three for three on extra points, highlighted by that long 48-yarder in the cold. So finally, a kicker we can highlight for something positive this season and hopefully he keeps it up. I love it. Uh, I thought about him for, uh, I thought about him for that as well. I'm actually, we're going to stay in the kicking game. I'll go with the block field goal. Block field goal is always fun. Something that doesn't happen too often and in a pretty key moment at the time, right? We're still pretty early on in the fourth quarter. We are leading a one score game. Um, they punch it if if they would have punched in that field goal and then all of a sudden you're in a position where a touchdown wins it for Rutgers and you start getting real nervous uh Jacob Slade gets his paw up there and uh and blocks the kick so just doesn't really happen too often it's always fun to see the the special teams units uh you know really going out there and making a play as a lifelong special teams guy i always appreciate that Nice. So I think that's like uh now fast forward to pick make the pick and get out of here. Yeah. What did, so we had it DraftKings state minus ten or ten and a half? I saw ten and a half. Uh it's ten right now. Live line ten. is ten. So I I think this is one of those I'll I'll kick us off. I think this is one of those games where you have a lot of teams, and I, I kind of look at this when I'm looking at the board every weekend. I look at motivation because this is
You waiting on me? <laughs> I don't know exactly uh, what went I... through all that. I missed it. I don't know if it's my internet or yours. If you've made it this long through our internet troubles, thank you for being such a loyal fan. All right. We're totally on different timing at this point. I'm throwing my pick in there. Michigan State to cover 10. Uh, that's all I'm going to say because I have no idea how this audio is going to link up at this point. Michigan State covers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, with all that said, they're, behind the scenes, we're testing out a new uh, a new thing here recording-wise. So if if it works the way I'm hoping that it works, then uh, this is going to be really interesting audio. If it doesn't work, it's also going to be interesting audio. So we'll see. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Uh, go green. Go, go white. white. Take care, folks.